0: I just completely screwed up that up, that intro. It's okay. It happens. You just rolled a one. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. And... For this episode, be sure to pack your bags, grab your gear, some rope, light some torches, because we're going to be covering the venture mechanic. This mechanic is pretty simple, but the real fun comes from the dungeons that are being explored. Which of the three will you want to explore? Hopefully this episode will shine a light into the ins and outs of this new and interesting mechanic. First and foremost, if you want to reach out and get a hold of us, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching MTG under the hood. So for the deck of the week, Joe, what you got? I started 2022 off
1: with a brand new deck. Not kidding. Literally built this on New Year's Day. was so excited. I had seen... So I we always go off and we, we are looking at other creators' content everything. One of the creators that I was really interested in is Mitch from the Commander's Quarters fantastic, fantastic host, does some wonderful work, but he had put together a list of his like top tier commanders from 2021. And so he took all of the S tier commanders from the different sets and he ranked those, you know, D-C-B-A-S. There was only one S tier commander and it was one that I had been after for a while and wanted to do something with and build a deck around it. It was Orvar the Form. So, once he had said that, and he started talking about all the different things you could do with Orvar, I happened to go watch his Close Quarters episode, where one of his buddies played their Orvar deck. Now, the Orvar deck did fairly well and got to do what it wanted, kind of, but it also got wrecked pretty bad by another. So, I built this deck, and one of the most enjoying parts I had out of it was going and finding all these old, strange, obscure cards that for the most part, you would never use any other setting. And Chris, you'll attest to this. You got to play my Orvar deck on Friday night. Mm, that <laughs> I did. And when you are ramping in mono blue, and when you're casting instant spells and making five archaeomancers at a time, when you are wiping the board from Scourge of Fleets on a regular basis, and when you essentially have five copies of Orvar on the field at one time... It's a deck that can
0: get out of control pretty quickly if you don't keep it under control. You actually ran out of copy tokens and everything else that you were trying to use I did. as tokens. <laughs> and we ended up having to put dice on everything. We did. I, I had about 25 cards
1: that I could use as copy tokens and just completely ran out of everything. But it has been a great start. I was really glad I got to play it and, and glad I got to do the thing. I will probably use it again, uh, but it will... Also, probably would be one of those decks where we'll we'll have the Rule Zero conversation. Be like, hey guys, so I finally got to test this out. It works a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> and it can get really nasty really quick if I get the right kinds of cards. So, uh, if you're okay with me playing it, I will. And if not, if you'd rather me put it away, I will I have other decks that I can... So, Chris, I think you built a brand new deck to start off 22, 2022 as well.
0: I did. So... I was going through all of my cards, sorting you know, and everything, trying to organize the mm-hmm. small collection, <clears throat> not so small collection that I have. And uh, <laughs> I came, I was going through some of the uh, um, the fat packs that I just used to store a whole bunch of cards. Right. And it was the uh, Strixhaven one. And mm-hmm. I found And I found a copy of Dina Soul Steeper. Great card. Oh, yeah. Like, Great card. <laughs> and I... Uh, and so I jokingly built it, built that deck for based off my wife. Because all of us, our friend group, we consider her to be a druid. She's very good at <laughs> growing
1: plants and using plants and, and obscure and, exotic plants. She's excellent. And
0: in the card art for Dina, she has a cup of tea. Yes. And <laughs> we have a whole bunch of tea in the house. So I made that one for Emily. and uh, And so I built it and I did it around the whole... Um, like life gain stuff, right? And I was tr- trying so hard, I managed to get uh, Sanguine Bond out. Uh, I was looking, I was hoping to get my exquisite blood just yeah, because going all, for the blood I, bond. <laughs> all I needed to do was gain one life and I would win. I was actually thinking about it, and if I had gotten Sanguine Bond first, uh, sorry, if I had gotten exquisite blood, I could have, I could have actually. Done. So I,
1: because I think Exquisite Blood and Dina work together. Yes. But Sanguine Bond and Dina yeah. don't really work together. Yes. So yeah, if I had gotten... Of, ex-
0: they're, they're redundant acts. Yeah. yeah. So if I had gotten Exquisite Blood out, then it would have been the really nice, like, drain combo. Yeah. And, Gain uh, and drain. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, And I actually... I pl- playing it first time, the mana... Like, I had the mana base and everything from that one game. It looked... It ran beautifully. I only lost because... Did I lose that one? Yeah, I lost because the other guy was just able to pretty much overrun and everything, and his deck started going off.
1: Oh, was he doing the
0: the Prismari Zafai deck? Yeah, he was yeah, running. the big spell deck. Yeah, yeah, he was running. Yeah, he was running a spell slinger, and I was just trying to do life gain shenanigans stuff. Yeah, I played that deck. It can get really difficult, and st- uh, after a while, he stopped playing his commander after the third time I killed it. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, I made sure to include kill spells. In oh, absolutely. Just oh yeah, I put a lot of targeted kill. No, no, power word kill, eliminate, murder. Uh, walk the plank, terror. Mm-hmm. There go. Yeah, good old fashioned stuff. Yeah, you can't um, go wrong with it. And then I also made another one. Oh, really? Yes, we played it uh, the other uh, whenever we. Did oh, right, it? right, right. The waffle, waffle, hizzy. Yes, yes, we played
1: that last time. Right. Yeah, we talked about it on the last episode. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, I think I did. A, did I rebuild one? Oh, and I rebuilt the ark. Of course. And yeah. got to play. And so, yeah, uh, Saturday I went and played. Oh, nice! Home and played Dina the first game. Cool. Yark the second, and uh, Yark was kind of meh. I okay. remembered a major. I re- couldn't remember like the big spells, yeah. like all the big cards in it and everything. I just couldn't remember all the like filler. And then Ravenous game- chupacabra. <laughs> yeah, he's in there along with the two masters. Um, and then game three the guy that we were playing he pulled out his yard, and i pulled out conrad and, I'm sure that was a fun game uh <laughs> um he in like the course of like uh he ended up doing it to where he could exile the top exile the top card of his home exile the top card of your uh library if it's a permanent repeat the process oh and yeah and then it all enters the battlefield all at once until Oof. you hit it. An- he has two uh non Permanent in that deck oh my so yeah um and he had a lotus cobra on the field with yarrick and a panharmonicon so just making uh, three triggers per 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 land and he dropped uh 12 lands oh man uh he he went down he only had uh 20 cards left in his library and we were about turn 20 in and He just dumped everything out. Well, the fact that you made it to G, that's that's pretty far into the game. <laughs> I think it was like it was like we'd been going for a little bit, I right? Mean, it, it turned into like an hour, it was like an hour for a minute game, and so and it was just a three player game. Oh, wow. Um, and so he just dumped that, and we went, Yeah, you won. <laughs> yeah, that's there's it, no coming back because he had the peregrine gray. Uh, the soul bonded peregrine drake out oh yeah i think that was it, it was either that one it was either that game or his urza one that he played i don't know they all just kind of ran together but i had a blast playing like good i'm very happy with it and um it just i got some of the cards that i needed mm-hmm. when i needed them and i'm just happy with how i built it good all right so enough about the decks that we've uh built and whatnot so we got some words to live by I'm going to take the first one. Joe, you can take the second one. How's Sounds that? Sounds good. All right. So the first one that we're going to talk about is board wipe. So this is the act of wiping the board clear of creatures, permanents, lands, etc. or all of the above. Um and this can be done by either destroying it, exiling it, or returning it to their hand. Um this is where you this is where you have your Wrath of Gods, your Armageddon, uh Day of Judgment. Marshall Coup. Cyclonic Rift. Cyclonic Rift. Uh, Scourge of Fleets. All those wonderful things to get rid of lots of... Overloaded Dam. Yep. Um. And so... And with board wipes, there's either a full board wipe, which is... It affects everybody, or there's one-sided, where it only affects your opponents. Um, mm-hmm. Cyclonic Rift Overloaded is one of those examples. Right. Uh, Massacre Girl is another one. Yep. Because... Even though it'll still kill my stuff, you're um, left with Massacre Girl on the I saw massacre, first, yeah. And it's, Massacre Girl is so beautiful, like yes. wide decks that I have to just go. All right, that one died. So that one, everything else, everything else, everything else. By the end of it, it's literally play a creature, wipes the. And so, there are a Joe, lot of
1: different board wipes out. Lot. We, I mean, we could do an entire episode board wipe and how to what what kinds there are, how to use them. <laughs> so it's a very wide range.
0: So Joe, what's the next one? Are you going to take me to school?
1: Yes, I think you need a tutor in some areas, Chris. <laughs> Our next word is tutor. This is, again, a slang term for cards that allow you to search your library for a card. They're named after the cards that really do have tutor in their name. It's demonic tutor, diabolic tutor, vampiric tutor, worldly tutor, mystical tutor, idyllic tutor, enlightened tutor. You can see where I'm going with this. There are a lot of tutors. Uh, and I, I think, I want to remember, Think if, if I'm correct, that at one point... There was a tutor in each color back in the early days of Magic that allowed you to search up something and bring it into your hand. Tutors nowadays, they go by a variety of different ideas and what you can find, what the penalty is, or what the payment is for getting that card. I think one of the more recent ones that was actually printed in a in a set, actually... Dig Up. Dig Up is one of the newest ones. Then there was... There's a card from Strixhaven that lets you search for an instant or sorcery card. Put it into your hand. There is Grim Tutor that was printed in Magic 2021 or Corset 2021. So, tutors are still coming out. There's still something that you can find. Their usefulness varies depending on what you want to do and how you want to do I, when you hear the word tutor, just understand it means someone's going to go search for a card that they want. Sometimes they'll have to reveal it; sometimes they won't. But it means they're going to basically go find
0: what they want. So, what is today's focus, Chris? So today's focus is venture into the dungeon. The venture mechanic. So it so venture debuted in the Adventures in Forgotten Realms. It was designed to give players a flavorful mechanic related to the concepts associated with Dungeons and Dragons because uh, AFR was the Dungeons and Dragons set. Forgotten Realms is a setting for the Dungeons and Dragons world. It was a nice marrying of the two. Yeah. Um. And venture into the dungeon isn't a keyword or an ability word. It's more of a mechanic. Right. And it because it, it's it's not like flying or trample where
1: which are keywords. It's not like um, I'm trying to think Heroic or Excellent. Strive
0: or... So, Joe, with all the, you know, preliminary stuff out, do you want to take care of the rules? Here we go. My level one judge
1: duties. Let's talk about the rules for Venture into the Dungeon. This time we're looking at 701.46 of the Comprehensive Rules... 701.46A, if a player is instructed to venture into the dungeon while they don't own a dungeon card in the command zone, they choose a dungeon card they own from outside the game and put it into the command zone. They put their venture marker on the topmost room. See Rule 309, Dungeons. We'll get into this more in a little bit when we actually talk about the dungeons. In their entirety, because they are rather important cards for this particular mechanic. 701.46b If a player is instructed to venture into the dungeon while their venture marker is in any room except the dungeon's bottommost room, they choose an adjacent room following the direction of an arrow pointing away from their current room. If there are multiple arrows pointing away from the room the player's venture marker is in, they choose one of them to follow they move their venture marker to that adjacent room. 701.46C. If a player is instructed to venture into the dungeon while their venture marker is in the bottommost room of a dungeon card, they remove the dungeon card from the game. Doing so causes the player to complete the dungeon. They then complete the procedure obtained in, or excuse me, outlined in rule 701.46A again. So... Let's talk about some ideas when it comes to just dungeon general. Because there are actually a lot of rules that go along with the dungeon in particular, so we're not going to get into those in particular. We're going to talk mostly about just a couple quick rules associated with venturing into the dungeon. So we went over those. Keep in mind, when you are venturing into the dungeon, It's usually some kind of triggered ability that's going to cause you to do that. And you'll see that as we talk about some of our featured cards. You'll also remember that when you are going from room to room, follow the arrows. It's not like a dungeon in Dungeons and Dragons where you're looking for hidden doorways or anything like that. They're very simple. Follow the arrows, go from one room to the next whenever you're told to venture into the dungeon. And of course... Once you have finished that dungeon, you set it off to the side, and then you actually get to choose your dungeon each time you're told to venture in. And when, once you've started a dungeon, you have to complete the dungeon. Then you can start a second. You can't do have two multiple dungeons going at one time. You have to stick into one dungeon at a time. But once you've completed that dungeon, you can complete it again and again and again, or you can go to one of the other dungeons. There are three to choose from, so take your pick. Alright, uh, that's really about what it has to do the rules when it comes to venturing into the dungeon. And like I said, when we actually talk about the dungeon cards in particular, which we'll do here in a little bit, we can get more into specific rules of dungeons if we like. So Chris, tell us about our first
0: featured card. So our first featured card is a Serac the Archler. He's a legendary creature, zombie wizard. Uh, he costs two generic and a black, and he's a 5-5. Five five, and his text box is full. <laughs> I like that. His text box isn't any... It's just, it's full. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, and his abilities are when Aserac the Archlich enters the battlefield, if you haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation, return Aserac the Archelich to its owner's hand and venture into the dungeon. And then uh, he also has Whenever Acererak the Archledge attacks for each opponent, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token, unless that player sacrifices a creature. So with this one, there is actually a somewhat infinite combo. And to at least
1: get you through the dungeon. To at least yeah. get
0: through the dungeon. In some formats, we'll talk about it later. But that one is the one that a lot of Venture decks are kind of built around. Right, yeah. Just trying to get all the way through the dungeon in one
1: shot and getting that end trigger off the line. So, Joe, what's the next one? Our next card is called Yuan-Ti Fang Blade, which is great because the Yuan-Ti were one of the, uh, I guess, one of my favorite, actually, (laughs) Uh, races from the Dungeons & Dragons world. This is a 2-2 Snake Rogue. It costs two generic and one black. It has Death Touch, and it says whenever Yuan Ti Fang Blade deals combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon. Very simple, very easy. This card I know saw a significant amount of play in the limited format because of that Death Touch ability, being able to drop it on turn three. Having Death Touch, a lot of people didn't really want to attack into or, or block a Death Touch creature, uh, and so you were able to get some of those venture triggers off of. What do we have next,
0: Chris? All right, we have Clattering Skeletons. For three generic and a black, you get a creature skeleton for three that has when clattering skeletons die, venture into the dungeon. Um, best way I can see about using this is uh, reanimating it, bringing it back from the dead, repeating the process.
1: Yeah, uh, this one was very popular as a blocker or an aristocrat's idea. Yeah, it, it did a lot of work in the,
0: the death trick. Now let's get to the star of this show.
1: So the actual star of what I think the, the the venture into the dungeon mechanic is actually doesn't have a venture trigger, but this is Hama Pashar Ruin Seeker. It's a 2-3 human wizard for a generic, a white, and a blue, and it has room abilities of dungeons you own, trigger, an additional time. So with this on the field, you get... Twice as many triggers from each of the rooms that you're going to go through. And again, we'll talk more about what that means here in a little bit once we start talking about all of our Dim Dungeons. But yes, Hama Pashar, excellent card. Really made a lot of difference when it came to going up against those dungeon decks. And I remember when we did a couple drafts and especially we did pre-release. I remember in particular the guy that ended up winning at our LGS that night he was running a an Esper venture deck that had Hama Pashar in it, and he was annihilating. He was able to get so many triggers off of this particular creature. Getting those those room bonuses basically twice made a huge difference in what he was able to do. And so Hama Pashar, even though doesn't it it doesn't have its own triggered ability for venturing into the dungeon made a huge difference in the amount of value you get out of the different dungeon. So, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and make sure I have some rules correct when it comes to venturing in the dungeon. Would you give our listeners a bit of an overview of the three different dungeons they can explore
0: in the adventures of the Forgotten Realms? I can sure try. All right, so there are three dungeons. There is the Lost Mine of Phandeliever, And this is usually, this is typically the regular option. This one is pretty, pretty easy to get through with. Okay, um, payoff for it. And then there's Dungeon of the Mad Mage. This one's slower, but it does have a bigger reward. And then there's Tomb of Annihilation. It's the fastest, but it's also the, um, for the Lost Mine of Fantilever. Uh, I'll just go through the rooms.
1: Yeah, if you you want to do that, yeah.
0: Alright, so the first room is Cave Entrance, and the ability of that room is Scry scry 1. And then you can pick one of two rooms. The first one is Goblin Lair, which will let you create a um, 1-1 red creature token, a goblin creature token, or mine tunnels. And this one is you get to create a treasure token. Then from Goblin Lair, you can go to the storeroom, which is put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, or you can go to dark pool. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then you can go to either the dark pool from mine tunnels, or you can go to the fungi cavern, which has the ability, target creature gets minus four, minus zero until your next turn. And then all three of those rooms go down into the temple of Doomathon. Uh, And that room ability is draw a card. So, as I said, this one is pretty much pretty good. Um, though this is also the one that you want to use for the Acererak combo.
1: Yes. Um, allows you to draw a card. Yeah. Or you could go into one of the other, like the Tomb of Annihilation.
0: Oh, I was going to go with the Dungeon of the Mad Mage first. Oh, that's true. Sometimes you want to cast that card for free. Oh, yeah. And uh, so with Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, the first, the entrance room is Yawning Portal. You gain one life. Then from that you get Dungeon Level, Scry 1. And then you can either go to the Goblin Bazaar to create a treasure token, or you can go to the Twisted Caverns to have target creature can't attack until your next turn. Both of those go to the Lost Level, Scry 2. And then you can either go to Runestone Caverns, exile the top two cards of your library, you may play them, or you can go to Meryl's Graveyard Uh, Create two 1-1 black creature tokens, uh, skeleton tokens. And then you go into the Deep Mines, Scry 3. And then the final room is the Mad Wizard's Lair. Draw three cards and reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. That one is, there's a lot of rooms to go through, but it does have that really big payoff. That it does. And that's a pretty sinking payoff. And then Tomb of Annihilation. The entrance room is trapped. Each player loses one life. And then you can either go to Veils of Fear, which uh, has each player loses two life unless they discard a card. And then from there you go to Sandfall Cell. Each player loses two life unless they sacrifice an artifact, a creature, or a land. If you want to forego those t- those two rooms, you can go to the other side, and that is Oblit. I'm saying. I hope I say that right. Oubliette. Oubliette. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, discard A card and sacrifice an artifact, a creature, and a land. And then the last room is Cradle of the Death God. Create the <laughs> Atropal, a legendary 4-4 black god horror creature token with death touch. The dungeon cards
1: do begin outside the game, but they aren't a part of your sideboard. You don't have to contain, contain them in your deck or your sideboard for them to be cards that you're going to use. They just exist. When you are told to venture into the dungeon, if you haven't, if you're not currently in a dungeon, you pick one of the three, whichever one of the three that you want, you put it into the command zone. Once you put it into the, com- into the command zone, it's also not considered a permanent. Your opponent can't interact with it, it's just simply there. It's something that you do. Keep in mind that you're only allowed in one dungeon at a time, so you can't have multiple dungeons going on at once. Also, keep in mind that the names of the rooms Chris just read off don't really mean much. They are simply for flavor, and they have nothing to do with actually what happens when you actually get into a new room. I was just
0: saying them because I'm kind of getting into actually being a dungeon master, and so it was just easier for me to just list it off like I'm telling you. What the map looks like
1: exactly now each room does have a triggered ability called a room ability whose effect is printed on the card and chris read those off as well they all have the same trigger condition condition which is not printed on the card the full text of each room ability is when you move your venture marker into this room whatever the effect on the card is happens. So, as long as a dungeon card is in the command zone, its abilities may trigger any time you are told to venture into the dungeon. Each room ability is controlled by the player that owns the dungeon card that is that ability's source. And then, of course, again, as I said, once you reach that bottom part of the, of the actual uh, dungeon, that's when you've actually finished a dungeon. Then you can remove it from the command zone once that last ability is triggered. And then you can go into another dungeon next time you're told to venture. You do not have to go into a different dungeon. You don't have to go into the same dungeon. You can pick any one of the three the time you go around. So just a couple things about dungeons that I think are rather important to players so they can understand what's going on with this particular... But the dominant colors, dominant colors. We had seven in white, seven in blue, six in black, two in red, 6 in green, 3 multicolor, 2 colorless, and for the first time we have a LAN that includes this mechanic on it. One LAN. We also had a couple cards specifically printed for Commander. We had 3 white, 2 multicolored cards that specifically came out of the Commander deck focused around this mechanic that, uh, that we wanted to make. Chris, do we have any featured decks? with
0: the venture into the dungeon mechanic. So, as you said, the Esper Commander deck, uh the precon one, mm-hmm. right? Um that one is one of the featured decks um because it's a good starting point and you can kind of tweak. Right. It's also a very powerful deck. I've played against it and it has a lot of thing one for it. And then for limited format decks, uh limited format decks that can be built through it through um, draft or sealed. Um that's also where it it uh, tends to shine more home, um, but outside of that, we'll get into it. But if you're going to play with and against this ability, what do we want to do? Let's start with playing with Venture into the Dungeon.
1: So if you're going to play with Venture into the Dungeon, if you want to make this a primary goal of your deck, you need to make sure you're choosing the dungeon that best works for your goals. What is your ultimate goal by actually getting through the dungeon? Is it to simply draw a card? Is it to get that 4-4 with death touch? Is it to cast spells for free? What is the main point of doing this? And then along the way, what are you going to gain from all of the other mechanics that happen? All the other triggered abilities that are going to happen? Because you got to go through each room to actually get to that big payoff at the end. So you really should think about not only what are your goals, but really keep in mind that the dungeons are more of a support Feature. They are going to add to your deck. They're gonna be a wonderful little addition. And yes, you can go for that big 4-4 death toucher, which is great. That would be wonderful. You can go for casting spells for free. You can go for just drawing extra cards. But keep in mind, it shouldn't be something that it, it should be something that your deck is designed to do, but you're getting benefits from it. It's, it's like a constant support option, not just Let's get that 4-4, four, four, and then I'm going to win the game. That's probably not going to happen. Finally, you need to know how you plan to get through the dungeon. The cards that we have talked about trigger in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's when a creature dies. Sometimes it's when a creature enters the battlefield. Sometimes it's on attack. How are And, it, and it's usually some kind of triggered ability, like how are you going to actually get through the dungeon? You need to plan ahead. If you're going to be very aggressive, like with Yon-T Fangblade, that's fine. Be aggressive, but make sure you've built your deck around that idea that you're going to be aggressive. If you're going to do it through like clattering skeletons, where it's on a death trigger, and so you're doing more of an aristocrat's idea, again, that's fine, not a problem. But make sure that you have built your deck around that idea, so that you can get those triggers as efficiently as possible, make your way through the dungeon, get the payoffs that you're looking for as quickly as possible. Now, of course, while you're probably not going to play against Venture all that frequently, unless you're playing an AFR limited event, you should know how to play against it. Chris, tell us how to fend off those people that are venturing into the dungeon.
0: All right. So the first and foremost is knowing that it takes time to get through the dungeon. Um, so all you have to do is keep an eye on it and you don't have to be concerned. You don't have to be too concerned as soon as they start going into the dungeon um you also want to know the uses of the different dungeons what is the goal of the dungeon if you know that you can kind of get an inkling of what they kind of want to do um how are they how is your opponent venturing what triggered abilities are they using to venture into it is it into the battlefield is it triggered abilities if you can see how they're doing it you can find a way to mitigate that if it's on into the battlefield triggers easiest way is to counter the spell stifles the stifle the triggers so, if you have that opportunity available um if it happens on uh if it's a death trigger exile it it won't die it'll be exiled they won't get their trigger so once you know how they're using how they're planning on using the abilities to trigger the venturing you can then from that point figure out ways to get around all of that so that they can't get their payoff
1: or even if they are getting the payoff it's minimal. Exactly. You know, yeah, you're you're keeping it in check so that they're not really getting a lot of the benefit.
0: All right. And uh for uses in different formats. Um nope, not going to happen, Joe.
1: Like we we had one commander deck that was really geared towards venturing into the dungeon and we saw, we sort of knew Wizards was going to do this. After all, it's Dungeons and Dragons is Wizards intellectual property as well. So when they had the venture into the dungeon mechanic, we kind of figured, just like they had with oh, what was the the agro deck mechanic that came out of I can't remember it now. Uh, when you attack with power six or greater, anyway, I'm sure it'll come to us eventually. Ferocious? Nah, that one was from Thero's set. Maybe no,
0: Ferocious was from that was
1: Tarkir. Tarkir. Yeah. Anyway not the point. The point is we knew they were going to build some kind of deck that would featuring venture engine and they did. And that's great. It's a solid deck. It works really well. A couple little upgrades here and there just to fine tune some things, get out get take out some cards that really aren't on theme or don't really work as well with the mechanics and you've got yourself a solid deck. I know. Guy at our LGS bought it. He tweaked it a little bit. It it annihilated us several times. It's a good deck. But outside of that, it doesn't work. No, it's it's not going to happen. The Venture mechanic, it takes way too long to get any of the benefits that you need. And in all honesty, we sort of talked about this in our last episode, and I made mention that I thought Vic Venture was a really cool, unique, different mechanic. It was something that I was really impressed with from all of the different sets from 21. But as I also said, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, while a wonderful standalone set something that if you're if you're just playing limited it's gonna be a lot of fun very flavorful well done unique set the set in and of itself is not going to affect majority of outside especially the venture it's too slow you don't get the payoffs quick enough and quite frankly there's too many hoops to jump through to just get the payoffs
0: of the of of the individual dungeon at least that's my opinion yep and before we go to the scuttlebutt real quick i want to touch on the uh um, um uh, The Acerac combo that I alluded to earlier. So, the gen- the gist of it is you want to use Acerac and you want to have a way to constantly uh, replay him. Whether through uh, Rooftop Storm, because he's a zombie, you don't have to pay his mana costs. Or through, uh, what is it, uh, om- Omniscience? Omniscience. Omniscience, which allows you to play uh, spells without. Uh, paying their mana cost. So what you do with the Sarahak is you just keep going through the lost mind of Fandilever, and because you haven't gone through haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation, you're constantly returning them to your hand and you're just constantly going through the Lost Minds to particularly go through the Dark Pool so that it's nothing but drain and gain. And so that's how it kind that's the all powerful combo that kind of came out personally i'd keep the dungeon of the mad mage cast spells for free but that's just me <laughs> uh, i mean i mean you can get them i mean you can you can do either of those two just stay away from the tomb of annihilation right and i mean if you want to if you want to go through the mad mage you'll end up uh one um every six or so times that you're going through you're scrying a total of six cards that's pretty good oh yeah I-, I would go for that oh yeah plus i mean i mean that would work best if you're using rooftop storm to do it that way oh yeah that way you can go all right here's a really big one and you can just even if you are scrying away all of the you know little cards and you're just keeping that one on top as soon yeah. as, you hit to, as soon as you get to the bottom yep game over so a Sarah rack that that's one i'd like to get my hands on because it, it does something it does but it's
1: it's not exactly the cheapest card right now yeah at its cheapest it's uh about nine, a little over 9 dollars right now so, and the, the expensive ones are the expensive, so...
0: What's so special about that one?
1: Uh, oh, it's got that little fancy design on on it. I don't know where oh. it came from.
0: Anyway, so yeah,
1: we got all sorts of fun stuff with uh, a Sararak and Venture has its... It, it is a lot of fun. It's just not something to make it outside really limited. You have the one commander. And let's be clear, you don't have three or four commander decks. You have literally one commander there there's only one commander that's really built around being able to use the venture mechanic well and there just aren't enough venture cards i think there's what, 33 34 total and Something so you, like that. you you need most of them if not all of them make it. so yeah you just don't have a lot of options and they're certainly not going to bring this back they're not going back to the forgotten Rhyme soon so yeah you, you just yeah you need everything so you're kind of when it comes to the various forms but that's okay it'll be fun and limited It'll be fun for the one, and outside of that, you let it go. All right, Joe. What's the scuttlebutt? First episode of the year. Let's talk about what we want to see from Magic: The Gathering in
0: 2022. Chris, what do you want to see? Well, I mean, we're already getting another onset, so my wallet's hating me, and because of all the <laughs> beautiful lands, like those lands are absolute. Like I love the the full art Japanese. Well, that's Kamigawa. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's Kamigawa. So, but I mean, still, even the full art unlands. Oh, they, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, but Kamigawa, I love the Japanese lands that they have for it. And I've looked through a couple of the uh, like some of the leaked spoilers and everything for it, and that looks good. Home. Um, I'm really interesting interested to see how the whole uh criminal underworld realm or the mob realm. New Capenna. Yes, I'm. I'm interested to see how that turns. And then. uh Let's see what else is new. What else is coming up? Uh, Jumpstart two, right? I think,
1: yeah. Is there a Jumpstart two? Yeah,
0: I think there's a Jumpstart. I think start there's two. a
1: Jumpstart two.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, the second start is. Which so you and I, we we finally were able to get our hand earlier this year. We were able to get our hands on some Jumpstart, and we absolutely fell in love with it.
1: Oh, it was fantastic! It's a wonderful, wonderful set. It really is. I still haven't gotten to Tiny Bones. Me either. I never got a Tiny Bones. Got my Allosaurus Shepherd, Got
0: my Shieldred. Never found a tiny boat. And, but I'm just, I can't wait to see, well, not this year, but maybe next year. I know that they've gotten away from it. And I know that uh, the War of the Spark uh, returned to Ravnica 3 or whatever it was. That the return was, to the
1: return to Ravnica. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was the last <laughs> block that there was. Right. The, uh, the traditional sense of the, the, the block. Three sets yeah. to make a block. Yeah. I wish we could get another block, because... Oh, I do too. Because a block was able to give you a full story. Yeah. Like, start, middle, end. Like, shards of Alara, then to Conflux, then to Alara. Yeah. It told a story of what happened. um My favorite one was... uh It was uh the Scars of Mirrodin. So, it went right. Scars of Mirrodin. Mirrodin. besieged New Phyrexia. And fun... And I believe that there was actually, like, a poll going on... Mm-hmm. Like who would win? And then they came out with the symbol for uh for new Phyrexia, and, the and name then we found it. out. And then we found out. Oh, it's new Phyrexia. And everybody went, "Well, crap!" It was like <laughs> awesome. And like it's just that whole being able to tell the story. I know. Uh, that's one being th- able to tell a proper story, and not trying
1: to shove it all into one set, kind of. An, you know, and we're we're we are we we do not get that anymore. And I understand why Wizards doesn't do it. I know they don't make as much money off of the the second two sets because they have the big set that started the block, and then the next two sets were always smaller, 150. Which, again, personally, I think that was the way to go about it. I maximize your profits while at the same time it didn't cause wallet, you f- know. And so I was willing. I would be willing to go ahead and spend. Yes, I'll buy a box of. Shards of Alara. Yes, I'll buy a box of Conflicts. Yes, I'll buy a box of Alara Reborn. And whatever your summer set happens, because I I have the money to do that. That's not a problem. But now, you know, you're looking at the lineup for 2022, and I'm thinking, all right, I I gotta pick and choose. I can't drop money on seven different release sets that are coming out this year. But we'll see. What else are you looking forward to in 2020?
0: <sighs> well. I was gonna save this for the end, but uh one thing that I'm looking forward to in uh twenty twenty two is getting the Discord up and running. That would be fun. Yeah. Cause I the Discord actually took a little bit of a back burner. That's all right, yeah. I mean it's no yeah. big deal. Until the other day, whenever we played on spell table and we used Discord rather than spell table for Yeah. Video. Oh sorry, for home. The for audio voice. Chat. Yeah. And I was like, Oh and so I In between games or whatever, I was throwing in different rooms. Yeah. And everything, so once I get the rooms all situated and everything and done up how I want it, I'll be uh, populating the bots. Nice. And then we'll be able to go from there and release it to all of you. Fantastic. Joe, what are you looking forward to? Well, I guess I'm, I'm really looking forward
1: to the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Because we finally are going back to Kamigawa. We're finally going back to Kamigawa, and you know, a year ago when we had talked about it, uh, you know, that was something. You know, what sets did we like the most? What sets did we want to revisit?
0: Kamigawa was really high up on the list. I'm glad we're going back. I think it was one of the first episodes, right, that we, we had a question yeah. that it was like, "What was your favorite set?" And yours was Kamigawa, and you want to go back to it. And we just never knew if we were going to. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> we're going back. <laughs> but I, but at the
1: same time, I've seen, and it's no secret, I mean, with the number of people, the number of content creators out there that are spoiling cards left and right, I've seen some of the cards that are coming out with Kamigawa, at least the up to this point, the ones that have been spoiled, not officially from Wizards, but I am afraid that... We're going to have an overcorrection with Kamigawa because it was so weak and underpowered the first time it came out. And it was. Let's be honest. It it was. It was a weak set. It was designed to be that way because Mirrodin had been such a powerful set. We know that going right into the end, they tweaked a couple of the cards to back off the power level. All right. No big deal. But now I'm really afraid that they are going to ramp up the power level to something similar and comparable to Throne of Eldraine in order to make sure that people don't look at this and go, oh, it's Kamigawa. Spirits and Arcane, maybe not. Ninjas are cool, but maybe not. You know. And like I said, I, I'm all about it. I love it. I, I'm really excited about the set. I just hope they don't, and the artwork, again, the artwork looks fantastic. I really hope they don't kill and they don't overpower it. to have cards that. It's like War of the Spark, or it's like the uh, the not this past rotation, but the rotation before, where we had the Return to the Return to Ravnica, and then Eldraine, and Ikoria, and all of those, and Theros, and we we had all of those together, and we had you know just banning, and banning, and banning. We pushed all of these cards, and it just became way too overpowered. I guess I'm also looking forward to I'm, I'm looking forward to the new Jumpstart, getting an idea of that cuz you're right we we enjoyed how that went, how that worked and we still like playing Jumpstart. Grab in a couple packs, see what you get, shuffle it up, go. Yeah, you know, I we, we still think that's a lot of fun. Plus, there were some great cards, some excellent reprints
0: that were desperately needed. I just pulled another reanimate from one packs nice. that I uh, one of the packs that I cracked. Yeah. Uh I think it was Friday or something. Yeah, I, I bought a couple of packs and cracked one of them, and it was got a reanimate. And I was like, "Awesome, let's yeah. do this!" Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, I've cracked a reanimate, a Shieldred. Um, you cracked a Rhystic Study, and I'll, uh two Allosaur Shepherds. Alistar
1: Shepherds, you know, you cracked a Crater Hook Behemoth. So, Oracle Moldaya, <laughs> right? So we we've had some great pulls from Fantastic. So I'm excited to see what they're doing with Jumpstart 2022. I hope they don't mess up the. Because I I think they they found something that works. People like it. In fact, people were more frustrated that they couldn't
0: get it <laughs> than anything else. Oh yeah! So, as soon as you told me that one of our one of the other uh, LGSs here had it, I straight up went there and I and they had just opened. Right. And I you you traded a bunch it in. of bulk. <laughs> I traded in eleven thousand cards and even and I just said even if we do a penny a pop. I'll just trade them in for a box. Right? They were like, "Sounds good to us." Yeah. And so I didn't. I reduced my bulk storage, my bulk collection, and got a box of Jumpstart, and just right. had a blast doing it. it. It's it was such a good set.
1: So we'll see what happens. I'm excited to go back to Dominaria too in the later half of the year. See what that happens to bring. And I I guess I'm excited to see what they're doing because I, I know. The Streets of New Capenna is supposed to be a wedge-focused set. Ooh. A, a wedge-focused set, a three-color set. So I'm excited to see what they do that in that regard. I am excited to see them back off on Commander product. Hint, hint, wizards. Please back off. They've just... I, and it's not that I don't appreciate the amount of Commander product that's coming out, because, again, it's the most popular format. A lot of people like to play it. We were supposed to do a Modern tournament, uh, you know, the other night at, at our at our LGS, and there weren't enough people that really showed up to play Modern, so we ended up having a bunch of Commander games, which was fine. No big deal. It, it shows that it's very popular. But Wizards... We I, I really need you to back off the expensive Commander product, too. It's just, it, it is too much for people. I, I, I can't keep giving you that much money. I I hope, I hope they go back to the $20 Commander starter decks. Those were nice. They were right at a good price point. They didn't have a lot of overpowered cards. They didn't have a lot of amazing reprints. But they had a couple in every every deck they had a couple new cards that worked really well. The themes of the decks were closely associated to the themes from the actual set that was coming out. I thought the Commander decks for Kaldheim and for Zendikar Rising were fantastic. It's exactly what we were looking for. The Commander Legends uh, Commander Precons were also well, well done. I think the Haven is one were okay as well. Well, but and see that was that but, was kind of weird because those were those were the five different schools. And they were they were good, don't get me wrong. I thought they were well well developed, but they were forty dollar decks. Yeah. You know, and so at that point you were looking at it like, oh, okay, these are going to be the commander product for the year. No big deal. Well, then they came out with commander decks, you know, four commander decks for AFR. Then they came out with four commander decks for the, the Innistrad, two for Midnight Hunt, two for Crimson Vow, all of them at the $40 price point. And I'm thinking, okay, look, I'll do one set a year at the $40 price point. You want to do a big commander set, that's fine. But I would really appreciate it if you back to $20, if you're going to do a release with each set. Otherwise, it's just too much. So I'm hoping they really go back to that with uh, Kamigawa and Kapeña and outside of that, I guess I think I think that's about it. I'm I'm really excited for Kamigawa. I'm excited for spoilers to start in a couple of weeks, official ones from Wizards, and to see what they have planned for this new approach to a a
0: plane that I really enjoyed the first time around. So we'll see what happens. Alright. Well for alright, let's wrap this up. So if any if you have any questions, comments, concerns you want to reach out to us. You are more than welcome to do so. You can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching uh, MTG Under the Hood. Thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper Under the Hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.